welcome to the podcast. It's the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm the editor, Matt Hudson. Well, we're getting back to what's important for this episode, and that's talking about engine oils. What makes a modern engine oil? How does it perform at such low viscosity grades that we're seeing these days? And what is it about modern engine technology that requires such highly engineered oil? Well, we have two guests today who are experts in that field and will explain it all. Michael Thomas and Sean Wynn are both uh, with Shell Pennzoil and have a deep level of knowledge about oils and the engineering behind them. Uh, they'll go in-depth about how modern synthetic oils are created and tested, as well as the industry forces that are shaping the kinds of oils that are required today and that you're likely seeing in your shops. Plus, they've got some great historical knowledge about how engine oil has come a long way since the days of basic conventional and how the goals were different uh, today than they were, say, 30, 40 years ago. This is a really great informational episode, and I'm really excited to present it to you all. These two were really fun to speak with, so I hope you enjoy. I'm very happy to welcome uh, Sean Wynn. He's a Shell Lubricants scientist and technology specialist. We also have Michael Thomas. He is with Shell also. He's a technical information specialist, both very knowledgeable in the oil space, uh, and I'm very happy to have you both here on this podcast episode. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, so one thing I think I'll jump into right away is just the, the broader trend we're seeing in the light duty motor oil space. Um, we're seeing lower viscosities, uh, engine displacements that the, these oils are going in are, are also getting smaller. And um, I was hoping you guys could illuminate me a bit on just the, uh, the engineering and technology that goes into these oils where uh, they have to perform at, at such a uh, thin, thin level uh, as far as the oil, motor oil <laughs> itself goes. And, and I was curious if you could just tell me what level of engineering and some of the technology that allows these oils to perform. Well, yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll take that question because uh, my, my background is, uh, is a chemist uh, by trade, and I've been working with Shell for over 20 years in the, in the area of lubricants. And, and let's start with um, the, the motivation and the drive by the OEM to push for these low viscosity oils, right? We know that the CAFE standards and regulations have pushed uh, some of the, the extreme limits on, on uh, miles per gallon on, on the fleet, uh, uh, I guess, introduced by the OEMs. And we know that by 2025, the OEMs are required to have their fleet average meeting a 54.5 mile per gallon uh, capability. And that's already in the, in the books unless some regulations change around. And so in, in order to meet that, um, we... Michael will talk a lot more about the hardware, but we know that the OEMs are shifting to smaller engines, right? Smaller engines, tighter specs, um, and, and of course, a lot of new technologies in uh, direct injection, turbocharging, just to get more power and, and better efficiencies out of this engine. Uh, and, uh, and in doing that, they're pushing us as oil manufacturers to run to lower viscosity oils. Within the last 10 years, you see a huge shift going from uh, 10W30, 530, even 520 conventional oils shifting to heavily based synthetics, right? You see 520 as the major category, 020 becoming a huge uh, uh, input. And of course, the new ultra low viscosities, the new zeros, uh, W16 oils. And when you do that, 
The only way to achieve that is through synthetics. Synthetics has been around for a long time. So what's the difference? Well, emissions and, and new um, metallurgy in these engines comes to play as well as, you know, I mentioned direct injection and turbos and such, right? And these new metallurgies as well as emission regulations force or, or kind of drive us to design, redesign the oil. First of all, you have to have formulation and additive chemistries that's compatible with these new synthetics, especially with a new synthetic that Penzo is introducing, which is the made from natural gas synthetic, right? Uh, in our Penzo Platinum, Penzo Platinum High Mileage and Penzo Ultra Platinum products. And so in order to achieve that, you're introducing um, organic friction modifiers. You're uh, introducing organic um, anti-wear agents and other novel chemistries to be compatible with these new synthetics. We also recognize that the new synthetics are better than synthetics of 30 years ago, right? And they're better in oxidative stability. They're better in the, the durability of the synthetics. And so we, we have to retweak our formulation to create that balance. We do not have to use as much. For example, we may not have to use as much antioxidants, right? Uh, and we'll probably touch back and forth on um, issues like phosphorus and sulfur in the formulations because they come out in the, the emission systems control. So those comes to play. And so changing the chemistries to newer technologies to make sure that we provide that at the same time, there's a, a, a huge push right now for lower carbon alternatives in, in the oils. And Penzo Platinum is the first to say that we're, we're committed to be carbon neutral in our product. And so everything from the beginning of the supply chain to bottling, to processing, to manufacturing, we're working on ways to reduce our carbon intensity at the same time. So there are many factors that comes to play, not just the push for lower viscosity oils, right? But what the consumer wants, they want longevity, they want less maintenance, and so you have uh, longer drain intervals, right? OEMs like that too. And so we have to develop something that can extend that life of that oil. Uh, the, the manufacturers like the low viscosity because it gives them the ability to get the maximum mile per gallon that they can out of that oil in that engine. And so we, we push to for lower viscosity oils, the 020s and the 016s. And, and, and of course the chemistries and emissions comes to play. So all those components comes together to make the final product, which is what we see on the shelves today. Yeah, you mentioned all of those forces that kind of uh, um, push in the development of motor oils, the, the emission yeah. standards, you know, lower viscosity, the longer drain intervals that OEMs might prefer, all that just leads to a very highly engineered engine oil. Um, and that was kind of what I wanted to underscore here. Uh, Michael, did, did you have anything to add? Yes, I, I can jump in because I am part of what we call the old school type of uh, way of doing things with motor oil. Uh, my background is dealt with uh, uh, being a master technician as well as uh, rebuilding, did racing on the side back uh, many years ago. And uh, back then in those days, motor oil was a whole nother ball game. Like Sean was stating, motor oil has definitely come a long way from back 
when uh, the oil that I used to use and, and you know as well, the 10W40s, 20W50s, these oils were, those were the way to go. Because if you think about the engines back then, they were cast iron. The clearances and the tolerances were wide open. You could get away with a lot. I would say you can almost get away with uh, with motor honey, so to speak, it's very <laughs> thick. But but that's the way things were. And if we look at how the 70s came about, uh, I remember, I'm not trying to sound like an old man, but I remember the gas embargo of 73 and 74. And then the way... Um, the, the automakers needed to change their vehicles. And that's when we start seeing catalytic converters as well as the EGR uh, pumps to, to recirculate some of the exhaust. And uh, it was definitely, it was definitely, a, 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 uh, we look at the oil that was then, which was a lot of, you still had, you know, conventional, that was straight conventional motor oil. And uh, it was three months, 3000 mile oil change intervals back then, which had to, you had to do that because we're talking carburetors, which definitely would put a lot of fuel if they're not uh, if they're not put together too well, you could have a lot of fuel dilution in your oil. So you're looking at then the conventional motor oils had to be changed three months, three thousand miles or sooner, or sooner because you had really some murky oil. So think about how things have gradually throughout the '70s into the '80s, and that's uh, you know looking at that part. I used to be part of Jiffy Lube International, technical advisor for that team back then how things start changing when they come to motor oils, because we're talking GM stopped using thicker motor oils by 1985, Ford, all the, look at it, all your 1040s and 40 weights and straight 40s and all that, all of that started disappearing. A lot of 530, 1030 motor oils were being used for a better, we're talking for better gas mileage because that was the main thing. Uh, let's try to make vehicles from the 70s and 80s, that can get better gas mileage. And if you look at how the, the American automakers were struggling and think about the cars that was introduced quite a bit during those times, that's how Honda and Toyota uh, started being the, the best-selling vehicles. And still to this day, in some cases, they, uh, they we're talking their gas mileage was excellent motor oil, Again, we're looking at 530 motor oil was the main oil. And if you notice, those automakers tend to be the main ones that seem to dictate viscosity on, you know, we're talking, I guess, motor oil efficiency, not motor oil efficiency, fuel efficiency. You notice, like Sean was saying, we got zero W16. And some of the public that we, we talk with can't handle 16. They think, oh, my God goodness what's going on soon it's going to be zero zero <laughs> but uh we have to explain i know on my technical line we explain you have to uh you you have to go this way because if you don't use the correct viscosity motor oil you're looking at uh, performance performance going down in your engine veritable timing can be ruined really fast by trying to squeeze thick oil through an engine where the clearances and tolerances are thin. Uh, so I, I, I have a quick story. It won't take about a minute. I had a gentleman real fast who had a stable of Mustangs, had an old 65. He had a, a, a 302 Mustang. Then he bought a brand new one. This was about three years ago. But this, this gentleman figured thicker oil was better. 
He was using thicker oil, 1040 and 2050, the old uh, classic Mustangs, but he bought a new one, which required 520. Needless to say, in a nutshell, this gentleman took that oil out the first month he had it, put 1040, and this was like in March, and then by June, he put 2050 in, and by the end of June, it was at the dealer. And that, and that was the reason why I got the call, because of the fact that uh, he was having problems with it is at the dealer. The service writer was stating in so many words, we got a problem with this engine. They had to all test it and found out there was 520, 1040, and 20W50 blended together in that sample. And this gentleman was an older gentleman who believed in thicker is better. <laughs> Right. But needless to say, he he damaged it. He damaged his timing. He damaged uh, the valve uh, train area due to the fact that the oil pump could not push a thick oil through. I call it the veins of your engine to lubricate the vital areas, your 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 cam and all that. So I do state that uh, motor oil, in a nutshell, all, full synthetic now is. Uh, is is the is the way things are going if you look at it 80 percent of the vehicles that are that are being made now are coming with synthetic motor oils and uh, most of the automakers now is maybe one or two that's left that's not using synthetic oil but we know in just a matter of time to be able to get better gas mileage engines running more efficiently and, and like Sean says, uh, the, the, the chemistry side of it, the whole formulation, we're talking a lot cleaner engines, uh, just longer oil change intervals. I just remember three months, 3,000 miles. That was it. And if you didn't get it out at, at a short period of time there, you're looking at murky, murky oil, kind of muddy. So, uh, so yes, that's, that's what we're looking at on my side of the business. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. And, uh, you know, you're, you both are kind of getting at the thesis that I want to get at is that these newer oils, they're, they're different uh, SAE grade numbers than people might be used to, but these oils perform and they are, more importantly, they're manufacturer recommended in, in most cases. So they are what you want to put in your vehicle. And I'm sure a lot of shops that read our magazine probably have lots of customers that come in and say, well, you know, just give me the 10W30 conventional uh, yes. in, you know, brand new Toyota or something like that. But um, just like people may have, uh, you probably have people who didn't think you'd see a F-150 with a four-cylinder engine, uh, just the same way uh, oil has evolved. And you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I did want to ask a question to you, Michael, kind of drawing on your history. You mentioned you worked with Jiffy Lube in the 80s. Uh, I was curious back then what the, uh, you know, we were working with obviously conventional oil in most cases. Yes. What was kind of the pinnacle or the goal of oil technology then, just to kind of give some perspective of where we're at now? Okay. Uh, the goal back then, and we're looking at in the 80s, <clears throat> excuse me, the goal was is to, to, to change, we're talking just your standard uh, oil, having an oil that's lubricating, cleaning, and doing its job. It, you know, you can, you, if you look at it, I'm here thinking back, the emphasis on motor oil was changing mm -hmm. uh, ga gas mileage wise. If you look at it, five thirty. I just think about when all the older, thicker oils were moved out the picture, <clears throat> excuse me. And we were looking at 530 was the number one and 1030, those were. So we're looking at the main job. I know at Jippy Lube, we're, you know, back then, three months, 3,000 miles was the old change intervals for pretty much every vehicle on the road. 
And uh, we're looking at, again, your question, cleaning, lubricating, doing the, 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 what we call the typical job motor oil was designed for designed for that's what was looked at there let's uh, let's change it let's get the, the the clean i call it the clean stuff in and uh and keep the engine rolling yeah i know uh i mean in today's oils uh we're at what api sp uh yes you know, there's so many added packages and testing yes developing these oils um, yes it is back in the 80s with those conventionals what was an additive package like was it a lot simpler was it just different if, if you think about it i'm going to pull sean in being a our resident chemist but if you think about it those oils was just plain what we call crude oil mm -hmm. it had your standard at antioxidant friction modifiers but it didn't have the advanced the advanced formulations that you see now because technology and motor oil is so far advanced it's just amazing on on the longevity and again, the longevity on conventional motor oils just was not up to par on what synthetic oils can do uh, now. And even back then, uh, we did, Pinsoil did have synthetic motor oil at that time, but you know, most of the public frowned upon that because they were afraid of synthetics, think, oh my goodness, it's expensive. Oh, I don't want to put that different type of lubricant. It may cause some problems. So, you know, most of the synthetics stayed on the shelf because some people just didn't, they didn't trust it. They just didn't understand synthetics. So, uh, but again, remember technology and motor oil was like, think about it. We, we had S, SF, which again, it's not, it's not strong. Like if we went, think, think about it. We went up the alphabet as every time we have to go to the next API service rating, we're talking the standards are tougher. Motor oil formulations is much better. But we got to look at formulations back then. It wasn't the it wasn't the greatest. We're not trying to talk bad about it, but it wasn't. It was yeah. That's just what it was. And if you, <laughs> if we really want to go back, and this is so funny, think about the motor oils that were used uh, back in the forties and fifties, and even thirties, and the Model A's and different. You know, the oil was your oil was dirty you go around the corner and back, and it's 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 time to change it in some cases. <laughs> and you think about. The engine wear, you had, to, if you're, I think about some of the cars I've dealt with, some of the cars from the 50s and 60s, you're looking at your engine being worn out, you know, at 80 or 90, you had to go get valve jobs done, ring jobs done. And that's how lubrication was. It wasn't, it wasn't that far advanced. So you did, I tell you, mechanics were, 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 were doing, uh, you know, ring jobs and uh, valve jobs constantly because you needed to have it done because a car had 100,000 miles. It was time to get rid of it. Everything was worn from differential to transmission. But like now, you know, 100,000 miles on a vehicle and some cars is just breaking in. Right. And that's due to the advanced lubrication. You think about it, oil has played a big part and, and longevity on engine parts internally. It's, uh, it's, 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 it, to me, it's like unbelievable from, from the engines that I've played with from flatheads to 396s to, and all that. And, uh, it's, it's amazing on how today's motor oils and, and then another thing, putting the synthetic in some of our older classic vehicles that you're talking some longevity there on some of the older vehicles. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, as long as the SAE grade uh, matches up, totally fine and, to do, right? And and the zinc level, that's another thing we gotcha. we we all state about on the older cars. So I hope I answered that in yeah, in satisfactory. Uh, you were talking about some of the engines that you've worked with, and and I was thinking back to one of the coolest uh, interviews I had was with a, a research institute who does a lot of oil testing and things like that. And then yes, it's just so cool how they do that. They have like a room with an engine all hooked up and, you know, the exhaust running out of the yes. building and they just run it for like two days or something. And it's like, oh. it was kind of the coolest, coolest setup. You, you, you brought up that. I, I, I was blown away at Southwest research about 25 mm -hmm. years ago, had a line of Corvette engines and just running them non, like you said, <laughs> the running them and come back and then just check and see if it's uh, unbelievable. It is, it is, it is something. Pretty cool job for those folks down there. You you know it. <laughs> um, Sean, I wanted to jump to you. Uh, at the top of the episode, you mentioned, you know, some of the uh, things that these modern motor oils have to account for as far as, you know, OEM pressures and, and engine designs and things like that. I thought you, uh, I was hoping you could jump a little bit more into some of those engine designs. We've got smaller displacements. We've got turbocharging, tighter clearances and tolerances. And uh, you mentioned even like metallurgy plays a factor. Um, I was hoping you could maybe uh, summarize some of those big forces that uh, come from the engine design itself. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. because you know, we kind of ran around a, a lot and touch a, touch a little bit here and there, right? But you think about it from the 80s, just, just shifting uh, visually from an iron block to an, an aluminum alloy, alloy block, right? Mm -hmm. Large pistons, stainless steel uh, pistons to alloy pistons to to ring designs and so forth. Uh, and of course, the introduction for going from uh, direct uh, port injection to fuel direct injection, and of course, turbochargers along the way. So every time we change those, we had to incorporate that, right? We talked, we mentioned a little bit about the 80s with the API SF, where it was mainly concerned with detergents, keeping that engine clean. The clearances were a mile long if you compare it to today, right? Versus uh, versus today where the clearance were hardly anything. So those comes to play in, in shifting. How do we protect this hardware? Uh, um, just the, 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 the quality of the anti-wear agents, the 80s where we would have to have break-in oils. Remember that? When we had to introduce a break-in oil with ZDDP component in the 2000 or 3000 range to try to create a, a protective film now we have technologies where we are able to create a break-in film. The moment the vehicle is filled up at the end of the assembly line to the moment it's parked in the parking lot before it's shipped out. We've already broken that engine in already. So technologies on just one component of the chemistries of the zinc, of uh, the anti-wear component, going from a, either a primary, secondary, or tertiary type of ZDDP is a big issue, and in combination of those, right? Uh, technologies in molydisulfide as a big component in, in reducing friction within the engine. So, so all those components comes to play and, and has to create, I like to use the term, I like to use the visual image of a perfect soup in a lot of my conversations because the soup of the 80s or just basically chicken stock and maybe a, a, a little bit of flavoring. Now we have all the different flavors, uh, the additives to, to kind of make it richer, right? More flavor. At the same time, 
leaner, you know, trying to make sure we're not getting the calories. Basically, it's the same way with, with oil additives and, and oil chemistries. We're making it so that it's eco-friendly, uh, carbon neutral, as well as being efficient for the, for the consumers, the OEMs, as well as, as, well as, as the environment. So all those comes to play in how we try to formulate these technologies. Um, hopefully that answers that. And, and if I miss on something, just remind me again. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's always incredible to me at the, at the molecular level, just how much uh, consideration is given to how the motor oil interacts with the engine parts and all of that. And it's, uh, it's just so much cool science and engineering, I think. We have a whole team just focused on viscosity modifiers. Mm. I did a couple years research on just molly additives. You're looking at hundreds of different types of molly additives. And so we're constantly searching for new technology. I, I call it technologies. People may call it chemistries, right? Uh, and we have our five technology centers based uh, scattered on the world here in Houston, in Hamburg, in, um, in Shanghai, in India, and in Japan. So we have our eyes and ears all over the world uh, in, in just being aware of what the OEMs are coming up with. You may have heard that Japanese are running on zero W8s right now. Mm -hmm. So if they're running on zero W8s. Some of our racing engines right, are, are running on zero W4s right now. Wow. So how do we protect that hardware? When it's running at 10,000 RPMs, right? Or how do we protect that, that NASCAR or, or that, uh, that drag car uh, when it's running 15,000 RPMs? That is the critical components. And then those learnings that we, we applied in the racing arena, we put it back into our premium products, which is our Penzo Platinum, Platinum High Mileage, and Platinum Ultra Platinum products. And, and those technical advantages come to play to the consumer at the end. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing I like to brag about to people is, is my 2000 Buick LeSabre has that Ooh. great GM 3.8 liter. 3.8. Um, runs, uh, I think it's 10W30. And, uh, you know, I could go with the conventional oil when I go to get my oil changed, but typically I go with a blend. Um, yes. But my point is that while you have people who could still get conventional oil, uh, a lot of people are able to upgrade to a blend or a full synthetic. And so my question for you guys is being that we have just such a, a wide variety of synthetics these days, uh, yes. is, the, is the time of the conventional oil uh, coming to a close or, or has it closed or where are we at with that? Well, it looks like it's on its way out. If you look at the automakers and what they're requesting, they're mm -hmm. requesting a lubricant that's, that's slipperier that's going to give less drag, less friction, less wear, uh, and better gas mileage. So if you look what's on, and you know what's so strange, look what's on the shelf at most of your stores, you're seeing less and less conventional motor oils. Because uh, I like to check them out and see, and wow, it's, it's scarce. So that's where it's headed. Uh, if you look at it, GM started using a synthetic blend in 2011. Ford started using a synthetic blend in 2002, to be exact, a 520. And of course, the, the, you know, the European boys, they've been using a full synthetic since 1998. That's hmm. when they went straight to 540s and, uh, and the other. So you're looking at, the, and, and of course, our, our, uh, our Japanese automakers and Korean automakers, that's synthetic. 
So we are looking at uh, <laughs> conventional motor oil uh, disappearing more and more. And, and, you know, the demand, the demand for motor oil, and again, I'm not part of the sales group, you're going to see what's what's in demand on the shelf. And I do have people now calling now saying, look, I don't see a, a conventional motor oil for my yeah. for my uh, my old, you know, like you see, you got a Buick, like my old Buick made in 19, you know, 1999. What can I do? I don't want to use synthetic. It's going to, the blend's going to cause problems. And we do have to explain that quite a bit. You're not going to have any problems. You're getting a plus. You're getting a better lubricant. Yeah. And, and it's, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that's kind of at the bottom line is, you know, people listening in, you, you run a quick lube shop. Uh, you're kind of at the front lines a lot of times educating the customers who come in and say, well, I don't see a, a conventional on your quick lube menu there. And what right. gives uh, for my old Buick? And, um, you know, this podcast, I think a lot of great information that shops can take to educate their customers, let them know that, uh, not only are these oils highly engineered, but uh, if the SAE grade uh, works for your vehicle, then you're, you're in great shape. That you're in good shape. You don't have to worry about uh, having that synthetic blend in your older vehicle. Uh, it's going to work well. Yeah. It's no, not going to cause any seal problems like some people think. Seal is going to cause seals to leak. It doesn't. Cause we we're, we're looking at seal conditioners in these oils. It does not cause a problem. You're getting, I tell people, you're getting a plus. You're getting a better oil, so don't worry about it. But the questions come every single day. That question, what am I going to do? I can't find it. I'm not going to... Uh, I'm going to go somewhere. I said, you can't go nowhere. You're here. <laughs> this, yeah. this is here and now. You have to take it and enjoy it. It's not going to cost that much. So yeah. not only that, you know, you go to a synthetic, that's that's good oil for your vehicle. <laughs> right. You and, and it's also regulated, right, it, it, through uh, API and ILSAC, where they say that the, the newer specs, the API SP that we mentioned earlier, it, it has to be compatible to previous designation products, yes. right? So previous engines, previous designs. So, so it's backwards compatible to all previous designation all the way back to, to API SF if, if need to. Uh, so, so that's the comfort that the consumer will have in realizing that they can use a synthetic or synthetic blend, and it will not cause any kind of major detriments to the engine. Actually, it will improve the performance of their cars. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. That backwards compatibility is a, a just a really, really great part of the system and, and helps with that ease of mind uh, component. Uh, any parting thoughts from the both of you? That was uh, so much great information. I'll let Michael start. <laughs> Any parting thoughts? Well, let's see. All I can say in a nutshell is let's, the people that's listening to your podcast, don't be afraid of synthetics. It, uh, like Sean said, it's backwards compatible. It will lubricate far better than our, our old conventional motor oils. So uh, just, uh, just think about you getting a better oil less friction, less wear, better gas mileage. That's, that's what you're getting with, uh, and especially with ours made from natural gas, our pencil platinum and, and ultra platinum. There's no other oil like it. Great advice for anyone selling those pencil oils. 
I, I guess for, for me is uh, for the consumer, because, you know, you mentioned your vehicle requiring a 5W30. So, of course, Penzoil and Penzoil Platinum product line is offering a zero twenty a zero W weight portfolio, right? From zero W four forty all the way to zero W sixteen weights. And those who are currently using five weight, like five thirty or five twenty, they can utilize the zero weight portfolio that we introduce. So if you're using a 530, you can use a zero a zero W thirty. You're using a five twenty, you can use a zero twenty due to the fact that these will actually give you additional fuel uh, improvement benefits, a couple percent at the same time give you better protection with these new products. Secondly, these products, these zero W portfolio products are what we call our carbon neutral products. So if the consumers are uh, into how to protect the environment, how to protect and participate with Pennzoil, in being carbon neutral, they can start utilizing these new products, these new zero weight products to join us in that initiative to drive down emissions, to increase fuel economy and help in the long run in some of these initiatives that's happening around the world. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, I know that uh, our listeners probably have multiple people coming in asking the same questions that you, you both often get about uh, synthetic oils, lower viscosities, and things like that. So uh, I very much appreciate uh, you guys laying out just the, the high level of engineering and work and uh, special attention that goes into these engine oils. So thank you both very much. Appreciate the time and appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. Yep. So that is uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, he's a technical information specialist. And Sean Wen, he is a, a lubricant scientist and technology specialist both with Shell Pennzoil. Uh, thank you both once again. We thank appreciate you all. it.